It's time for JT the Brick. How are we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, as we open up the show, as we get going here live on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. Brought to you by PT's Taverns, the coolest sport ever invented for many here is hockey. It's back. The Golden Knights are rolling. Catch every game this season at PT's 64-plus taverns there. They cater to the Golden Knight fans, the Raider fans, the Rebel fans, the Aces fans, everybody out here who loves sports, but especially hockey as they're a proud partner of our show, the Golden Knights, and Bobby, who runs this show, uh, works every Golden Knight game. He runs it here from in the studio, so we talk a lot of hockey on this show. Golden Knights are off to a good start. Put on a jersey, put on a T-shirt, head on out to PT's. Best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. They got an app you can download. You can find one near you. You'll have a great time there. Good show today. Again, Bobby threads the needle. He tells me what we have, and we try to knock it out for you. We have Jason Horowitz, voice of the Raiders at the bottom of the hour. Insiders day-to-day on Tuesday. Paul Gutierrez, uh, the ESPN insider, he will join us at 1.30 Pacific time. We also have Levi Edwards from inside the Raider facility. I saw him this morning. He's going to join us at 1.40. And then Jonathan M. Alexander, He's an insider for the Houston Texans. He covers the Texans and the NFL for the Houston Chronicle. Good get today. We all need to learn about the Texans. Earlier today, I was in the Raiders facility, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center with Q Myers, Lincoln Kennedy. We just performed the last, not last, the most recent episode of Raiders Roundtable, where you can get on YouTube here. I think they loaded up here in a couple hours, uh, two or three o'clock, and you can get it there. Subscribe to it on YouTube. It'll come right to your phone right to your handheld device, and you can check it out. It's fresh, right out of the oven, ready to go. We looked at the AFC West. We previewed Houston and tried to find a path to the Raiders turning the season around. Really, that's what the show's about today. Today, your call to action is what is the path? What's the path? Imagine if this is Indiana Jones, and we got to take a path through the jungle. Which path are we taking together? Are we doing it the hard way when we need a machete? And we had guns and everything. We got to kind of rifles and all this and air cover. Or are we going to do it the easier way and knock these teams out that are one or two win teams? This is the moment right now. I thought the record would be better, minimum two and three, maximum three and two. And then they get on a roll. And this is where they'd be talked about on NFL Live. And everybody be talking about it. Not a peep out of the Raiders. They left the Raiders in the jungle for Indiana Jones to go find. We got to help the Raiders get through the thick brush and get out of this. Which way do you want to go? The loss of Nate Hobbs is a big one. Wow. Nate Hobbs out for at least four weeks with an injured hand. That announcement was made right after we ended the show yesterday. He injured the hand against the Chiefs last Monday night as he landed on his wrist, hurt it. 
He was able to return to the game. It looked like he had a heavy cast on. It was really bandaged up there. By going on injured reserve list, Hobbs is out at least four weeks. Anthony Averett, who's been on the IR since September 12th, is eligible to return to practice this week. We'll find out tomorrow if he's cleared. And at this point in time, the Raiders are just reaching. Devon Campbell was signed to the practice squad. So they don't have a lot in the secondary. They don't have a lot to begin with in the secondary. It's not a great secondary. It's not the Denver Broncos secondary. It's not a lead. It's not as good as Houston's. So this is a this is a core group that's got to step up and have a big game. Now the loss of Hobbs is big because he's a hybrid. You can play him in the slot. You can play him outside. And what Hobbs does really well is he gets to the football when it's not near him. So if someone gets a handoff on the other side of the field, Hobbs gets over there. He's very good that way. He has a sense for the football. A lot of Raiders have not had a sense for the football over the last couple of coordinators, and I think Dave Ziegler is going to be trying to change that down the road. So a very important point in this game coming up here without Nate Hobbs, it's next man up. Now who's the next man up, and are they going to be able to play? Could they have a big play like Amik Robertson had? Can we see someone at a corner position? You know, I talked to Lincoln Kennedy about this today on the podcast. They let Trayvon Mullen go. Uh, you know, they thought he was an injury guy with his foot, and that was an issue. They didn't have a lot of depth at that position. So it's important that they play good. Fortunately, they're not going up against a great quarterback in Houston who should be able to pitch and catch all day and throw deep. And they're going to have to come up and run support because they have a really good running back. So that's what I see happening here. Uh, Devontae, his court date is fine. It's November 10th. So the NFL is not going to do anything with Devontae until that court date. And then I would assume they just keep pushing it back, right? That's what they do here in Vegas with the famous attorneys. They just push everything back month after month after month. I don't know how this is going to play out, but Devontae should be good to go. Devontae just had his number retired at Fresno State, and he was, he was in the pace car at the NASCAR event, which is a big deal. They only give that opportunity to celebrities and important people in town. So hopefully he had a good bye week and he's ready to roll. What I'll tell you about Houston is the one thing, like, Give me credit for one thing, please. A week ago for the Kansas City game, what did I tell you all week? Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey. Who had that nailed? Me. Me. I had that. I said misdirection and guard Kelsey, and they didn't do it. And I spent the whole week doing that. So I'm going to spend the whole week on this one topic, please. Don't write it down, but remember it. Spread the news. Houston gives up 19.8 points a game. They're fifth in the league in points. Defensively, they've given up. 99. There's five teams that have given up 100 or less. Houston's on that list. How the hell are they on that list? Well, it's pretty easy. They stopped the run at times, but now the number's gone up. They're giving up 165 yards a game. What they do is they bend and don't break. Really kind of what the Raiders did under Gus Bradley. Remember him? The Raiders would bend, and they wouldn't break, and they got off the field sometimes, and the Raiders made the playoffs. That is not happening with Patrick Graham yet. We're going to get to Patrick Graham. He just met the media. I want to hear it like you do. I want to know what his bye week was like and what's going to be the scheme here. So as we prepare for the Houston Texans, you can run it on them because they're giving up 165 a game, so just keep running. And then you're going to have to throw the ball in the end zone, and you're going to have to hope that Waller's back. We'll find out more on him this week. Renthro is sharp. Renthro's back, but he's not sharp. Mac Hollins hung out with his shoes off. At NFL Network, he was on Good Morning Football. He's a good guy. He's loose. And Devontae, Devontae's got a lot to prove. He does. Devontae left Green Bay. Green Bay's now in the tank, and the Raiders have only one win. 
So I think it's Devontae time. I'd go heavy with Devontae. I'll go down with Devontae all day long and go with him. I believe in Devontae and Waller. If they're both playing, I attack with them. The topic this week is run it or throw it. Don't give me balance. Please stop. Stop with the balance. Pick one. Door number one is run the hell out of the ball with Josh and a young offensive line. Or door number two is just get in the shotgun and go four wide and throw it and just attack downfield against Houston. What would you like to do? 702-365-9200. I'm going to ask you the same thing with New Orleans and Jacksonville coming up. I'm interested in this trip because I think the Raiders need to get out of here and go on a really big bonding trip. From time to time, people do that. They just get away. The Raiders should beat Houston. That'll get them to 2-4. and four. Then they play at New Orleans and at Jacksonville, and they're not coming home. They're going to be gone for a couple weeks. That's, that's, that's a grind. You're not with your, your family, your significant others. That's a big deal. But what happens is you go on a business trip and you focus more, and it's all work. There's no distractions. Not like, hey, I got off of work. I'm going to drive down to the Strip. Not that we hear a lot about that with the Raiders, but you're in a hotel room for two weeks. In, you know, after New Orleans, they're going to Florida, and they're going to set up camp there, and that's when they can get on a roll. Jacksonville lost to Houston 13-6. to 13-6. to Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick in the draft two years ago, didn't score a touchdown. That tells you who Derek Carr's facing this week. Pretty good defense. And a defense that has a good scheme with Lovey Smith. I think the Raiders will be okay with this game unless they get tight because the game's tight in the fourth quarter. This team has gotten tight in a couple of games, haven't they? How how do you describe the collapse against Arizona and the loss to Kansas City? They didn't play well when they were trying to put the game away. Well, what happens if it happens with Houston? Well, Houston doesn't have Warren Moon or Deshaun Watson. Houston doesn't have a Pro Bowl quarterback waiting there. Hopefully the Raiders can get off the field and make some plays. Again, so you were quiet yesterday. You're quiet today. I'm not quiet. In advance, my priority today is not this show. It's the Yankees. The Yankees play at 1 o'clock. Coming up here in about 45 minutes, and what a show I did last night. The Yankee fans got through the gates at 5 p.m. Eastern. At 6.30, they said they were going to delay the game, which is supposed to start at 7.05. They never told the Yankee fans until they canceled it at 9.30. Uproar. Everybody was in the building spending money on beer, parking, food, spending cash in the concourse to stay dry because it was pouring, and then they told them all to go home. I took call after call from Yankee fans last night. Man, were they pissed off. Were they upset with the way they got screwed? And just a real quick recap of that. MLB on Twitter didn't put out anything. TBS did the pregame show with Ernie Johnson, Pedro, and those guys. They didn't even come back and close out the show. They turned it over to a Dwayne Wade game show, and they only came back at the very end and said the game was canceled, and they didn't go back to the studio. How despicable was that? You got all those guys paid to be broadcasters, paid to keep us updated, and no one did. Yankees didn't, MLB, and TBS. It was a failure of communication last night in sports when it comes to social media like I've never seen before. It has now set the standard on how to communicate with fans, and everybody failed miserably last night. So the Yankees will play today 107 local time, winner move forward, loser go home. And whoever wins today has got to put away the beer goggles and the champagne and get on a plane and get to Houston because they play tomorrow. And then also we have Philadelphia and San Diego. Selfishly, I'd like to see San Diego win because I got some hooks over there. I'd like to go to a World Series game on an off day 
and get out of here and catch a World Series game on the West Coast. So that could happen there. If you're a baseball fan, you want to get through to open line 702-365-9200. All right, let's get to Monday Night Football last night and how that affected the Raiders. Watching the game with my wife as I'm going back and forth on the radio last night, and I couldn't believe how bad Denver was. Denver and their quarterback, Russell Wilson, has now forgot how to play football. It's really like it's one of those movies, Tom Cruise movies, like Minority Report, where they scrub your memory and mind. He gets behind center. He doesn't know where anybody is. Like, there's a guy 10 feet in front of him. He doesn't throw it to him. He doesn't run. He was so bad in that game. But he gave him an early lead. There was a couple of plays where he popped and looked like the old Russell Wilson. Wilson steps up, floats to a wide open receiver, catches it to 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Greg Dulcich. How about a welcome to the NFL drive for the rookie out of UCLA? This is all Denver radio on the call. So they get a 10 nothing lead in L.A. against Boy Blunder, that terrible coach with the Chargers, who, by the way, is 4-2. Now, he can't coach himself out of a paper bag, and he's 4-2. and two. We're going to talk about a team that gets breaks. But Denver, the game was going back and forth, and Russell Wilson got the ball to win it in regulation and win it in overtime, and he gave the ball back, and then they had this muff punt, which pretty much ended the game. High kick, and the ball is fumbled. Oh, my gosh. Chargers have the ball inside the Bronco 30. Yeah, it's Dave Logan on the call. He knew the game was over. And then I got to give the Chargers credit. Their kicker, who was hurt, Hopkins the whole game, he had a bad hamstring. He popped his hamstring. He made four field goals, including the game winner. This kick from the 29, a kick of 39 yards by Dustin Hopkins. Snap, placement, kick on the way. And the Chargers have beaten the Broncos in overtime by a final score of 19-16. to 16. So it's incredible that Denver could have won that game, how poorly they played. And the Chargers, you are what your record is, as I tweeted that out. You are what your record is. The Chargers are 4-2. and two. The Raiders should be 4-2 and two after beating the Texans, and they're not. The best they can get do to, is get to 2-4. and four. That's what's wild about the league this year. Bad teams are winning, or they're winning, or they're in the game late. Like the Giants are 5-1, and one, and they trail by 10 to Baltimore and Lamar Jackson in the fourth quarter with eight minutes and one. They're not very good, but they were able to do it. Some teams are doing it that we all didn't expect. Now, I deserve credit for this one. I'm one of the few people on Sports Talk Radio who told everybody, don't believe in this Denver fraud. Remember me? Call after call in July and August as some of the pundits were like, they're going to the Super Bowl. Oh, they're going to the playoffs. You know what their win total was? Ten and a half in Vegas. And I'm sitting here going, what are we missing? Denver's not very good, so I got that one right. Got that one right if you're keeping score. It looks like Nathaniel Hackett is on the hot, hot seat because the difference between him and Josh McDaniels, we know Josh can coach. He's won six Super Bowls. He's a part and a big part of the Patriots' success. Of course it was Belichick and Brady. Josh had all the plays with Brady. So he, we know he can coach. He led the Denver Broncos to the playoffs and won with Tim Tebow. We know what he could do. Has he struggled? Absolutely as a head coach. But Hackett seems in over his head. He doesn't know what he's doing on offense. I feel like I can do more 
and uh, continually work to try to find the best schemes for our players. Uh, we'll have to look at this game and see where some of those things uh, broke down. Uh, but we got to come up with better plays for the guys, and the guys got to be better at executing them. So it's a combination of all of us working together, coming together, and, and making sure we're doing all the right stuff. He knows the heat is on with him. It's really on with him. They don't like him in Denver. They don't like him at all. They want him out, and they're not going to get rid of him. He's a first-year coach. And Russell Wilson also has a lot to do with this because he's not responding well. He looks like he's in charge. He was in charge of the offseason working with these receivers. They're not on the same page. we got to answer the call. You know, it's uh, adversity is, is, is uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, uh, challenging us right now. But um, the, only way I, the only way I know through through it all is just continue to work hard and continue to believe. I th- felt like we felt like we should have won that game tonight. Um, and so um, we got we to look at the film and see what we can do better. Uh, for Russell Wilson, I believe he's already a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's played in two Super Bowls. He's won one. He should have been 2-0, and but he threw an interception at the goal line. Marshawn Lynch should have got three carries in a row, and that's a different story. But for Russell Wilson, there's a lot of adversity going on here, and they're asking him now what's going on in the locker room. Is it divisive? No, we don't have division in our locker room. I mean, you guys saw how, we, how hard we played for each other tonight. I mean, everybody it didn't go our way, but... Um, everybody's fighting their butts off every day. The guys up front all line, receivers, tight ends, running backs, the de- defense, the defensive line, linebackers. Um, and just, I mean, our, our safeties and corner. I mean, everybody's playing for each other. We felt like we could have won the game. If you had the Raiders' offense and Denver's defense, along with Max Crosby, we'd keep Max, right? You don't move Max. He can, Max listens to the show, listens to the podcast. But if you got that, how good would the Raiders be? So let's go to the defense as Patrick Graham has met the media over in Henderson a little bit earlier ago, just minutes ago. Let's hear a little bit of it. I want to know what his philosophy is coming off the bye week and coming into this game. Player safety changes in training camp. That's understandable and acceptable. And even practice during the week is not as physical as it used to be. Mm-hmm. But when you look at a team struggling with tackling like Kansas City, how do you fix that when you're not as physical as you used to be? Uh, through practice, I mean, that's part of what we have to do in terms of innovation. Things change over time. we got to find ways to practice tackling and make sure that, you know, we're giving them as close to real-life situations as possible. So, you know, that's through the leadership of our head coach, you know, special teams, defensive coaches, all getting involved with that and just trying to work, work as much as we can, you know, in terms of the angles, Again, you might not get the physical contact part of it, but there's ways to simulate that, whether it's through some of the sleds work that we use, you know, just getting back to fundamentals with that. But a lot of times tackling is about the angles, uh, closing down the right at the right proper angle, pursuit to the ball. That's the main things that you got to focus on when you can't really do it live. Yesterday, Nahaj got, got placed on, on IR. I know he could be back this season, but what type of loss is that for the defense, and how do you go about replacing what, he's, what he brings to the table? Well, you know, any any time a player gets set back because of injury, especially a player of uh, Nate's caliber, you know, you get you just, it's always next man up. You know, that's the biggest thing. It's a collision sport. You know, injuries are going to occur, and you just hope that, you know, he, he's doing what he has to do to get better, um, and then we get him back as soon as possible. But always next man up. You know, nobody's going to feel sorry for us, so we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. Uh, your defenses have a track record of doing well in the red zone. It's been a little bit of a struggle uh, mm-hmm. so far this year. Is there anything – that you can kind of put a finger on right now what's going to happen? Uh, you know, again, I'll say it starts with me, you know, in terms of I got to coach it better, in terms of, you know, getting the guys prepared better there. 
Uh, I'm sure there's a few calls I wish I had back and everything like that. But again, the beauty of this league and why I love the challenge of it is that nothing you did last year or even last week really matters. So the biggest thing is the challenge for this week. You know, I think Houston's ranked uh, 10th in the red area because they got a running back that can run the ball in. I mean, that's one thing. The court makes, uh, makes smart decisions down there. So, you know, we're getting back to the drawing board, probably start a little early on red area and try to get it fixed. Um, you know, I know during the bye week, you know, Josh talked about us going back through things, um, you know, just, uh, you know, self-scout like all teams do. And, you know, that was part of it and just try to get it better and try to improve. But again, fortunately, unfortunately, I love the challenge of this league and but unfortunately, it doesn't matter what we did in the past. Answer that it starts with you, but when you have guys in the right place mm-hmm. and they just miss a tackle, that's not on you. They're professionals paid to do that. So, uh, uh, is that maybe one of the most frustrating part of the jobs? Is when you know you got the right play called, the guys right there, you can't run out and make the tackle with a clipboard. Our, our, my job is the again. I'm in charge of the defense with the leadership and the guidance of our head coach. And again, anything, it, it is on me. <laughs> it is on me. And I'll, that'll never change. And I know the players they put it on themselves at times and stuff like that. But it's my job to have us prepared uh, to stop what we got to stop. And, you know, it's my job to get them executing the way they need to execute. So, again, my answer won't change on that. Appreciate the sentiment. But, you know, I'm, <laughs> this is always on me. Your defense has had stretches where they've been really good and they've been able to have their way with other teams and then it kind of goes away. How do you develop that consistency? You know, that, we're in the process of that in terms of, you know, again, first time together. You know, I know it's been five games and we're trying to build that consistency. Again, it's going to start in practice. You know, I, I can't stress that enough. It starts with practice, you know, and we got to become more consistent out there on the field because there have been some good quarters of football. But again, nobody cares about that. You got to string together 60 minutes or 70 minutes if you're thinking about the Arizona game. So again, what I do is I'm just like, again, go back to the drawing board in terms of making sure we get practice as close to game reality as possible and just keep improving from there and keep demanding you know, the standard and just keep working for improvement each day. And that's really the main focus right now moving ahead is just improve each day, you know, you know, make sure that you know, we're, we're emphasizing our strengths, trying to eliminate our weaknesses and keep working that way. Coach Anthony Averitt could possibly make a return here mm-hmm. soon. How much would it mean to get him back with the secondary, and what would he bring to the team? I'm always welcoming good players. You know, he, he's a good player, you know, good speed, good size, plays with good toughness. So definitely I'm um, looking forward to having him back. And the role, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Like, if he, you know, again, he's eligible. I mean, Josh will talk about all the stuff with the injuries. But whenever he's ready, we'll be ready to op- have him back with open arms. And whatever, if he's out there on the field, he's, he has to earn it just like everybody else. But Anytime you have a chance for a good player to get back in the fold, that's welcoming, or we welcome that. Um, when you evaluate the game film, Divine Diallo has really shown signs of growth this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about him earlier, converting from safety down to li- uh, linebacker. Um, but specifically the last two games in pass coverage, I've really seen some, some good things from him. What do you see from him moving forward, and do you think that he, or does he remind you of a player that you may be coached in the past? I'm telling you, I love your question. I love everybody's questions. I'm not trying to be biased, but, you know. He just, he, boom, boom. It's like he's reading off a script, but that's good. Okay. Okay, so Diablo. One, definitely improvement. And I talked about it before. The physicality of the game is showing up 
for him, and I, I, I love seeing that the, his ability to press the line of scrimmage, to make quick decisions. Um, in terms of coverage, skill-wise and athletically, he could do whatever you ask a linebacker to do, you know. So, player, again, I don't like making too many comparisons. I've had some linebackers in the past that are similar to him, but, again, they're different too, you know. Like, the group I had, you know, whether I was at New England, the group I had at Green Bay, a little bit different, but a lot of improvement happening. And the thing that's really happening that, again, you guys might not see is the leadership, you know, being vocal, um, leading by example, the study habits, and I would say that's a direct response of his his position coach. All right, so that's a little bit of Patrick Graham, some tough questions. It's not easy to be a defensive coordinator one and four and go up in front of the media and have to do that every week, but that's part of the job there. There's been a lot written about him. Vinny Bonsignor uh, wrote about him yesterday, so they, he's got to get going. He's got to find a way. I never thought this was a great defense. I thought it would be more productive. I still think it can be more productive. That's why they brought in Chandler Jones. And Chandler Jones has got to add more with Max Crosby, and that could help out. And Vinny's column says Raiders coaching, McDaniel steady, Graham struggling. And I don't think Graham's struggling at the press conference. He's having fun. He's talking to the media there. But he has a lot to prove. Uh, Vinny wrote, the Raiders were said to have a com- completed a bit of a coup by prying Graham away from the Giants to be their defensive coordinator. Not only was he in the same position he held in New York, but with Graham on the cusp of becoming a head coach. Okay, that guy who you just heard is on the cusp of becoming a head coach. Enough people around the league think he's really good. He's one of those guys on the short list. But the Raiders' defense is not impressing anybody. At times they flash at times they make plays, they have to be better to finish games. Sometimes it's Derek Carr's job to go finish the game. You got the ball against the Chargers, you got a chance to win. You get the ball against Tennessee, it goes through Waller's hands. You have an opportunity to win the game, Josh Jacobs gets stopped on a two-point conversion. There are times where special teams and Carlson has to win the game, and he does. Defense has got to be better, and we got to pick it up. Maybe we get some defensive calls from you today with Nate Hobbs out. What do you think needs to be the identity? Everybody knows the identity of this offense. It's either Josh Jacobs or Devontae, one or the other. And so everyone I talk to, it's 50-50. Run the ball, JT, with Josh. It works. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Or you hear on the other side, you know, just throw the ball. I am in the camp of throwing the ball. I am in the camp, okay, if we're at camp, I'm with the group that says, you want to dig out of this hole, throw it. Why do we have Carr? Why do we bring in Devontae, his roommate? Where's Waller? Where's Renfro? You have a arms race here with weapons. Put the weapons in play. Get them going. I think that could help the Raiders turn it around and dig out of this hole and get some wins going. All right, monologue brought to you by Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. Have you been a Virgin? The shag room, right when you walk through the valet and come in through the front door, and man, Boz has a vision of that front entrance, which is beautiful. You have the shag room on the right. Great entertainment there. You can go to Olive's. Oh, the Italian, the Mediterranean, Todd English cuisine. Or you can go see my buddy J.O.D. at the bar at One Steakhouse, which is fantastic. One of the best in town. Well, I mean, they're just so mean to me. You know, I'm just used to it, you know. 
And, uh, um, you know, what's crazy is I see a lot of Kansas City fans, you know, wherever, Tahoe, here, all that. And they're always, like, so nice to me until we get to the stadium and they got to be mean for their friends, you know, and, uh, and Twitter. So besides that, I, I have so much respect for this place. Um, you know, and I, I just love the environment. I love the, loud, the loudness. I love the hostileness of it. Um, I don't know. I just enjoy it, you know. Um, you know, it's hard. It makes it hard. Great crowd, great fans, great team. They've had a great team since I've been here. Um, but I don't know, I just, I just have always enjoyed the, that hostile kind of feel environment. As a competitor, you kind of, you know, sometimes you, either you don't like it or you like it. I just happen to like it. It's Derek Carr brought to you by the H72 Laborers, led by Tommy White. They built the stadium safely, on budget, on time. Thanks to Tommy White for being a proud partner of our show on Raider Nation Radio. Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders here in two or three minutes. Big Al in San Francisco on the opening night of the NBA. Well, he'll be inside Chase Center for the Warriors. Big Al, what's happening? No, I'm just I'm looking forward to, you know, it's a ring ceremony tonight. I guess the I just want to know if LeBron's going to come out of the locker room and watch or if he's going to go camp himself in the locker room. Uh, while Steph and all the guys get their rings. <laughs> so it will be interesting. This is not re- – unfortunately, the Warriors and the Lakers really aren't a rivalry until, they, until they're both good at the same time and they both play in the playoffs at the same mm-hmm. time. I agree. This is a big night. A lot of people fade the ring ceremony because the home team goes back with their rings into the locker room. They take selfies with their rings. Their wives and kids are there, and then they don't perform well. But this is a big game because LeBron's on a path to break Kareem's scoring record. LeBron's on a path with a new head coach. It's going to be a fun game. What do you got on the Raiders, Big Al? You know, I'm really proud of the way the Raider offensive line has played in the last two weeks. And it's a line that I've actually came out and said it was in a shambles. Um, if this line stays healthy, and you know that's a big if in the NFL, because we take a look at all these other teams whose, whose lines are just decimated. We saw it with the Chargers last night. We saw it with the Rams all season. They're, they're not. That's not even a Super Bowl team. They're a shell of what they are. If the Raiders' line can stay healthy with this six-game stretch that they have coming up, and they can keep getting Josh, you know, the space to be able to get into the you know into the second layer, um, the Raiders are right back in the are right back in the AFC East. You know, the AFC West, I'm sorry, Hunt. Um, but their line has to stay healthy. This is a common thread throughout the NFL. This is just not about the Raiders and other teams having to do other things. If your offensive line in this league stays healthy, you have a fighting chance every game, and you can be competitive into the latter games of the season for a playoff spot. But if you're not, like the Rams, I mean, the Rams are terrible. And we take a look at some of these other teams. You know, Green Bay is terrible. And their offensive line has been, you know, has been a source of contention along with their wideouts all year. Uh, to me, just stay healthy up front. Find a way to stay healthy up front, and we, you know, we stand a fighting chance every week. If we don't, if guys start going down, because the Raiders don't, do not have the depth on that offensive line. They don't have what Philly has, because Philly's really deep. Um, you know, if, you know, we're going to see a season that's going to go from we're one and four right now. We're going to see them end up being something along the lines of three and twelve. But if they stay healthy and they get through these next six games and go four and two, five and one, they're right back in the hunt. Thanks, Big Al. I agree with you. You know, health of this team is paramount. They got to be healthy if they're going to find ways to win games and go on a run here. That is key. Jason Horowitz joins us coming off the bye week with a young family. Was there a bye week? Was there some downtime? Did you get away for a little bit of it? How are you? Fantastic, my friend. I am. Uh, I'm great. We had a uh, my daughter's ninth birthday party at a bowling nice. alley. 
Nothing says quality food <laughs> like bowling alley chicken tenders, and they're even better when you put them in the microwave two days later. I would agree so. with that. I've been there, done that. There's nothing better than a nine-year-old birthday party. I haven't spoke to you since you left Kansas City the way you left Kansas City with that game coming down to the wire and how it ended. After you got some quiet time before you traveled back home, what was your takeaway from that performance from 17 nothing to start all the way to the finish in the Kansas City comeback? Um, you know what? It's unfortunately kind of been fitting for the season. Which is, I, you could, even after 17 nothing when I said to Lincoln during the break that what a start, he's like, hey, let's see what happens. And, you know, on, and at that point, the roughing the passer call hadn't happened yet. So that was the, the, the penalties that mounted up against the Raiders hadn't started yet. And Travis Kelsey hadn't begun his red zone domination. And so all of those things manifested themselves. And even with all of that, they still were in a position that turned out to be three or four inches short of taking the lead. And, or, you know, uh, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro not colliding into each other on a fourth and one and, 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 and winning that, or deciding to run the football on fourth and short and getting it and then going from there. So, you know, just like the, the Cardinals game, just like the Chargers game, just like the Titans game, there have been the opportunities, despite all the problems getting to the finish line, where they've had chances to win down the stretch. And unlike last year, where they won all those games, this year they've lost all those games. Jason Horowitz joins us, voice of the Raiders. So what do you think they needed to work on the bye week? You know, I don't know exactly who was in the building or not. Hopefully some of the young players, Nate Hobbs is on the IR, I want to comment yeah. on that, but... You know, the identity now with Josh Jacobs running the ball is great. Devontae's not going to be disciplined until whatever happens with this court trial, which is getting pushed out. And the defense, I'm really concerned about. Before you came on, we played Patrick Graham, a part of his presser. I think the defense now has a bullseye on them, and they got to show up, especially against these teams that have one win, and then the next two teams have four wins combined. This is go time. So not even, not only do they just have one win, I mean, the Texans' offense really since week one you know week one they had that great start against indianapolis you're like whoa you know maybe davis mills is a guy that we're going to be talking about and uh it was 20 to nothing i think and mm-hmm. then you look up and it's like oh they they ended in a tie <laughs> so, and and you know they were they struggled against a lot of other people uh, they do have a running game the good news is for the most part the raiders this year have done a really good job against the running game uh so so that's that's positive i think what we saw against kansas city despite all the points allowed, is that they did put pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Chandler Jones did play well in Kansas City. And so if that continues, that's, that's a, that's a big-time boost. Um, they do have to continue to stop the run. But, J.K., you've been talking about this for four or five weeks now. Their inability to stop passes over the middle is becoming, is becoming a major problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, not becoming. It is a major problem. And, and that, that, I wonder, does it get worse? With the loss of Nate Hobbs, even though, I mean, he's, you know, if you go back to the Chargers game week one when he had that stop, I don't remember who the receiver was, but there was a slant route on a third and short or a fourth and short, and he broke it up, and it allowed the Raiders to have a chance to win the game. Um, you know, we've, we've seen that, how big he has been. Um, so now what, right? So Amik Robertson, who's made caused some turnovers, he's going to be in a different spot. Sam Webb, hopefully he's healthy, gets more time. Um, so there's a lot there that uh, that I think is going to be 
critical for this team from a defensive standpoint. You hit on the fact that this week the Texans are not a good offensive team. But but then we go to New Orleans, and the Saints are a better offensive team than anybody would have thought to start the mm-hmm. And Jacksonville has had ups and downs, but they certainly have a lot of playmakers that they've brought in. So even even Denver, like nobody tweets more than you do during a sports night that I that I've come across. <laughs> I'm sorry for that. I, uh, my even, son, my sons have put me in Twitter jail for a while. I've calmed down with my DMs from the heinous well, people that come after you're me. You're angry I, I, about I, Major League Baseball not telling you what time the game was going to be postponed. I, I recognize that. Well, I'm happy you mentioned that because again, you're a play-by-play voice, and when you're locked in the booth, especially in football, you're not going to see this, but with other sports, you're waiting on a decision if you're going to yeah. go forward. And I just thought of those Yankee fans sitting in the garage last night for three hours, not able to yeah. get out of the garage because baseball couldn't tell them ahead of time to go home. But I digress. Yeah, a little frustrating, right? <laughs> I, I would say that would definitely be a little frustrating. Uh, and the amount of money spent in the stadium to yeah. get to a game that you weren't going to see is probably frustrating. Um, so all of that. But, but, but even the Broncos, I, I point this out because, you know, Denver offensively, and, and I haven't looked this up since we played them, but, but they have been woeful all year. But at Allegiant Stadium, for the most part, Russell Wilson looked like Russell Wilson in Seattle. Mm-hmm. But no other game this year have they scored more than 16 points. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder what changes Patrick Graham has in store moving forward because, um, you know, the, the defense, the defense has got to make some plays to get off the field in the, particularly third and second and third quarters. Yeah, I look at it, I'm looking at just just a couple of stats I want to throw because I know you're prepping for Houston. Uh, Houston's given up 99 points. The only other teams that have given up less is Denver. We know Denver's defense. They're at 99. Dallas is at 98, and they got ball hawks. Then it's the ni- uh, Niners at 89, and Buffalo, I think the best yeah. team in football at 81. That turns out to be exactly, here it is, 19.8 points a game. Now, yeah. you know numbers, and you can look at it and say, look, this is Ben, don't break. Or this is a team that plays pretty good defense and they want to slow the game down because they're running it so well. So they're low-scoring games. But I'll tell you, this is a live dog coming into Vegas because Lovey and them are going to want to keep this game close. And if the Raiders run it and they're going to pound it with Josh because Houston's given up 165 a game on the ground, that's going to shorten the game. And I could see the Raiders in a game that's 21-17 and they don't have the ball with under five minutes to go. This is a dangerous team coming into Allegiant. So what I have found what I have found very interesting since the loss in Kansas City is that everyone is pointing at the schedule and saying, "Don't worry, everyone knew the first five games were going to be tough. It was the middle of the schedule where they could pile up wins, and then can they get to the last four or five games with you A know chance. the playoffs on the line?" And I and it's fair, um, but nobody thought that that first five games that were going to be tough would be one and four, particularly not when they've been in situations to win three or four, not one. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is you can say whatever you want about their, hey, they're not a one and four team, but nothing's guaranteed for a team that's one and four. You know, for, for that matter, even if you look at the, the playoff standings in the AFC, one through 16, today the Raiders are in 16 behind the Texans. Mm-hmm. And, and to, to the point of Houston, and yeah, they're not very good, and their offense isn't very good, and they haven't played great teams, and all, all of those things are accurate as to why some of the numbers might skew as to Houston not uh, having a really good defense. Those are all true. 
But they've also got really young guys in the secondary that were highly drafted players that could turn out to be great players. Derek Stingley Jr. was the third overall pick. Yes, he's coming off, I believe, his first career interception against Jacksonville. Jalen Petrie was their was one uh, their third pick of the draft. He's their second pick, uh, and he's ha- he had two interceptions against Chicago and a fumble recovery. That's a heck of a game for a rookie. Uh, <laughs> and he also had a sack in that game. So they've got some young defensive players on the back end who are trying to make names for themselves, mixed in with some veterans in the linebacking core like Christian Kirksey, uh, who you know who's playing well, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, who's now off the IR. Those are old guys, veterans, who are trying to finish up with their careers, maybe to get one more payday, all that stuff. Um, so there's a lot there for this defense that, yeah, the Raiders are going to have to play well, but I'm with you. They have found something in running the football. The Broncos came in top five in the NFL when they did it, and the Chiefs were number one in the NFL against the run when Josh Jacobs did that. They can run the football. they got to stick with that. And, Jason, last one, what's encouraging here is, and, again, they're not going to win all these games, but they can get on a roll because New Orleans after Houston, Jacksonville, the Colts. I mean, the Colts are either god-awful or competitive. They're at Denver. We don't know what's going to happen. At Seattle, I'll take Geno Smith and Russell Wilson in his prime. The Charger game's at home. The Rams are no longer the Rams looking like the Super Bowl. Zappy's the quarterback for the Patriots. Pittsburgh's on the schedule. They're not elite. The Niners in Kansas City to wrap up the season. And I don't know where the Niners are going to be now because they're losing close games. So every game feels like there's optimism here. If the Raiders start to play well on the road there, I really think everybody's going to start to pay attention again because if they can get rolling, everybody's going to say, hey, that's the same Raider team that should have beat Kansas City. That's the Raider team that should have beat Arizona. And look at all these wins they just piled up. But it starts with one this Sunday against Houston. So Lincoln said that after the 0-3 start. you got to win one to then make you believe that you can win two and three and four. So all of that is true. It all starts with Houston. Uh, and hopefully it's a, it's a, you know, I think what we expect to, I know it's listed as sold out. Hopefully it's not, you know, what it was with the Broncos game where it was much orange and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, I, we'll see how many Texans fans show up and all that. Um, but, but it, you know, the consistency from the kickoff of the first quarter to the kickoff of the third quarter, I mean, that, that is not changed from game one to game five. And I don't think anybody expects a team ever to dominate from minute one to minute 60. I, I don't think anyone ever really truly expects that. Um, but the difference from the first half to the second half has to be narrow. And, and I think they did that against Kansas City. I really do. There, but the one difference that had not been a problem all year, penalties. Mm-hmm. And the difference from the first half to the second half was awful. And we can argue about whether Malcolm Coons should have been called for holding or not. I mean, that was... You know, it wipes away a field goal and instead a missed field goal and becomes a, another touchdown for Travis Kelsey, and that's your ball game. Um, but ultimately, it's still 1-4. So, yeah, I'm with you. There's optimism. There's no reason to think that this team still cannot make the playoffs. But we are saying that about a 1-4 team that has lost excruciatingly close yes. games. Brutal, brutal uh, so that close games. I always yeah. enjoy our conversations, and so do our listeners. I'll talk to you from the torch if you'd like to venture down and meet your people. We'll have a spot for you at the torch. And, if you and, want to do and, it from the booth and, and, and have a nice meal, Mrs. you can Horowitz do it there. Will be there. Mrs. Horowitz will be there as well. I would so love we I, I would there. love to meet your bride. Look forward to it. I'll see you Sunday. 
Sounds great, KT. You got it. Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders, who I think is doing a fantastic job. Everybody I talk to, you hear the play-by-play, and I'm a big Brent Musburger guy, and the Raiders have had great play-by-play voices. He's done a nice job. like to see him get some more wins and some victory formations, and maybe he gets one against Houston. As that was brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Remy Martin is a proud partner of our show. They have the botanist gin. Once they brought the botanist into Raider Nation, it has blown up. And we thank them for that. Try the refreshing botanist gin. Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Pressure off the edge, into the pocket, lobs one downfield for Adams, at the goal line, over his shoulder, touchdown! Derek Carr racing forward on a beautiful ball for 48 yards. We just had Jason Horowitz, that's him, the voice of the Raiders. JT, back with you. Yankees Guardians going to get underway here in about 15 minutes. Winner move forward, loser go home. Astros are waiting, and we have the Padres and the Phillies tonight. And no one had that, as in no one on God's green earth had that when the season started. It was the Dodgers and everybody else. No Dodgers. Dodgers don't get out of it. Dodgers win one game in the playoffs. Green Bay last year won none. They were the one seed. Remember, Niners went in there if they came off the bye week. What does that tell you? When you don't play, when you don't play, you might not be loose. We'll see what happens in baseball coming up. Gangster Raider on the flagship of the Silver and Black ahead. Hey, you, Vinny, and them got it all wrong. It's not Patrick Graham that's messing up. It's your boy, Jacqueline Daniels and Michael Lombardi. The play calling they had since the first game and all this whole season has been messed up. They took the ball out of Josh Jacobs' hands the first couple of games. And your boy, Josh McDaniels, he's been out coached by Boy Blunder, Cliff Cliff Kingsbury, and Mike Brable. You know what I'm saying? And only team is shoot, who should have got our coach is Andy Reid. You know what I mean? And if we had third and one with a chance to win the game, and they threw the pass to Devontae Adams, which you know, we thought was complete, but it wasn't complete. Then on fourth and one, they throw another pass. We had third and one to go win the game, and we don't run the ball with Josh Jackson, who had over 150 yards passing. That's not Patrick Graham's fault. It's not Patrick Graham's fault that Derek Carr threw three interceptions against the Chargers. That's on the offenses. The offense, that's your boy um, McDaniels and Lombardi. They the one calling the offense. And like I said, we had a chance to win the game against Kansas City. We had third and one. They didn't run the ball. We threw it to Devontae. He, he, um, we thought he caught it, but he ended up out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Then on fourth and one, instead of running the ball again, getting the first down, then clocking the ball, what you do? You try to throw the ball to Devontae, a new player on the team, a new offense, a new system. You should go with what you know. We This is Josh Jacobs' team, especially in um, circumstances like that. And your boy uh, McDaniels has not done well at all in situational coaching. I thought that would be his strong suit coming over from mm-hmm. the Patsies in New England. I thought his strong point would be situational coaching, but he seems to be almost as brain dead as Boy Blunder. And I don't see how you or Vinny could try to blame this on Patrick Graham. It wasn't for Patrick I'm not Graham blaming it on anyone. I think your call is very accurate. I think your no, call that's criticism. I think your criticism fair. I think everything you're saying is fair. I would have. I would have. How is it Patrick Graham's fault? Y'all I didn't say it's his. I didn't say it's his fault. I didn't write Vinny. I didn't vent. I didn't. I didn't write Vinny's article. But you I didn't write with Vinny's. It. It's totally asinine, and it seems like a company man is trying to cover up for the boy blunder. Who's who? We got now. He's the new boy blunder. Josh McDaniels. And, and listen, gangster. I just. Lombardi. I just tell you one thing about this, is which is the only rule I have on the show. 
Don't make it perfect. No, no, no. no. Hold on. Let me finish. Let me let me finish. All I say is, don't make it personal. Don't don't take shots personal and call the coach a name and do that. I can call the coach of the Chargers boy blunder. I don't call the coach who I have to interview every week names. So I agreed with everything you said on third and well, one. I don't, have oh, to, I don't have to. I don't have to interview him. I can call him right. Like you can, it. but no. Got, but but if you take it again, again, if you can't listen and let me talk as I'm letting you talk as long as you want, don't make it personal. Don't call him names on the flagship station of the show. I agree with you. On third and one, I would have ran it. On fourth and one, I wouldn't have thrown it deep. I wouldn't have run it. I would have ran a short route to Hunter Renfro, or I would have had Carr run the ball on some type of fake there. So I agree that, but I didn't write a column saying it's his fault. I'm telling you that I think the defense is not playing well, and everybody involved here isn't doing a great job, and they got to turn it around after the bye well, week. Let me say this. If it wasn't for the defense, we wouldn't have been in any one of those games that we had a chance to win at the end. You need to thank the defense and thank Patrick Graham and thank God that we got him. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And stop trying to praise this brain-dead coach that we got. All right, get off. If you're going to call the coach brain-dead, call other shows. Call other shows. You don't have to call mine. I've already banned one idiot from this show. I'll do more. Okay? So if you, if you call the show, you don't have to call people personal names. Okay? You don't have to do that. You can call in and have a conversation. Okay? That's all we say. That's the only thing we talk about on this radio station. Or go find other shows or podcasts and other people or go to, go to some Twitter feed with six people and make a point there. You're a good caller, gangster. We want to have you on the show. Don't call the person because I always say this. Would you say it to his face if he walked in the room? 99.9% of the Raider fans I talk to shake my hand and say, hey, man, appreciate what you do. And they all do that to Josh McDaniels. If everybody's a tough guy and they want to go threaten the coach or call him de brain dead or all that, do it to his face. And, and no one does, like 0.0%. And again, I like gangsters' calls, and I hope he continues to call, but I'm not going to sit here and have people rip and do that. I did not write a column. I refer to Vinny's column often. And Vinny's column didn't have blame when it came to that. It talked about the fact, in Vinny's opinion, and he's on the air. You can talk to Vinny later on in the show. Vinny's got his own show in the morning. Okay? If you look at the team here and what they're thinking, the defense and the offense and everybody has not lived up to expectations. They all have to turn it around. Just don't make it personal. It makes the station look really stupid, juvenile, and pathetic. Come on in and bash whoever you want. Just don't talk about haircuts and blunders and all this and that. Okay, sound off like you got a pair, as I said. But you know the rules here. There aren't many. I don't have any rules. <laughs> Doing this 26 years, just show respect. That's all, and that's what I do as we continue. All right. I got some energy in this show, finally. 